Hi, I'm Heather. Welcome to another episode of It's a Wonderful World. Please remember to connect with me at divinewonderland at gmail.com and share and like the show. Let's get started. Hey, Heather. Long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, super, super long. I was counting, actually, as I was walking the dog, I said, wait, it's 28 years that I haven't seen oh Kmart. Gosh. Well, no, no less than that, because I saw you maybe 20 years ago when I went to Barbados and, and uh, you were at another uh, company doing work. And mm-hmm. I was in there talking to you for a little bit. But that's still a long time ago. Very long time. But it feels like 30 seconds, though, because, you know, you just have that kind of warmth, Heather. So really good to hear you again, my friend. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, darling. I'm so proud of you. madam editor i you know i just love women in power (laughs) women in power love that too but power you know they say with power comes tremendous responsibility so it is not an easy road but it is enjoyable nonetheless because you you know you you have to count yourself um blessed really indeed and and i also think women know how to handle that responsibility or those responsibilities in ways that we don't often see with men. Yeah, I think, you know, we have a lot of practice as women because I think, especially in Caribbean households, we start by giving girls more responsibility than men. We kind of let the boys do what they like and we tend to, you know, pin the girls down to duties and responsibilities. So I think we have a head start often um, on our male counterparts in terms of, you know, that kind of organization at time dealing with responsibility. And then ultimately though, um, I think men can play catch up, but it depends on whether they apply themselves as well. Yes, but yet it's men that we ultimately see running most things, even with that freedom that they get. Can you imagine if women had that freedom plus the responsibility, what the world this would be? <laughs> well, we're seeing, more women, we're seeing more women leaders coming through. And as I said, I don't like to quite bring it down to gender because I, I'll say that in my lifetime, I've seen just as many bad examples of women leadership as I've seen bad examples of male leadership. I more like to see who really deserves this job, you know, and who can best do it at this point in time. And I think that's where we really ultimately need to get to in terms of, you know, assigning roles and assigning jobs and responsibilities. But yes, more women need to break that glass ceiling. And we, we who break some of that glass ceiling need to make way for others, not try to push others out, but also, you know, and make sure that the example we set is not one that deters others from dealing with other women um, in terms of allowing them to accomplish or to achieve. But there is a traditional imbalance, um, but we women have to work hard to be able to, to, to assume our place. I think, certainly I agree with you. I, mm-hmm. I want to see more women in these power spaces before I say, at least on my end, that I'm seeing as many women making the same errors as men are making. Because right now we don't have the stats, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we need to have more of us in those spaces. And yeah, certainly it's, it's the best person for the job. It's just that often women aren't among the best people being counted. 
Yeah. And I remember, you know, you, you actually take me back to Kano where we met because mm-hmm. I remember once there was a gentleman, I won't call his name now because he's dead, but he said, he <laughs> said to me that, um, you know, to be a good journalist, you have to be able to do one of two things. You have to either like a lot of sex or you have to learn to drink a lot of rum. And I was saying to him, you know, well, I'm not sure about which one of those, you know, would fit me. You know, so there, there are also these stereotypes that are used to, to keep women out as well. And really and truly what it means is that you have to grab that bull by the horn when the opportunity presents itself and assert yourself in a way that you can't be ignored. That really is the challenge. Well, you definitely cannot be ignored right now in your position as the editor of one of Jamaica's most prominent newspapers. Not one of the most prominent, please. Let's give Jamaica (laughs) Gleaner its credit. The most. (laughs) You are doing your job very well. (laughs) Just setting the record straight. Just sticking with the facts, yeah? (laughs) The facts have been noted. (laughs) That is a good one. That is a good one. All right. So we've talked a little bit about women, uh, a, a real uh, point of, of joy for both of us and for our listeners, of course, men and women. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the questions now. Describe your essence, Kamar. And let me start by saying I don't like talking about me, but you forced me to, Heather. And, <laughs> you know... That's one of the things about being a journalist. You get to often talk about other people, you know, and you put the microphone in their faces. But when it turns on you, it's a kind of a different thing. Yeah. So it takes a little bit of, you know, it does. You know, so trying getting it used to. Think of this less <laughs> as me putting the microphone in your face and more mm-hmm. of it being you just taking some time to reflect on things that yeah. you know about yourself. This is not about bragging, this is just about reflection. Yeah. And and when you put it that way, I have to say that I see myself as, as I've said before here, very blessed and highly favored. In fact, I've always seen myself that way. And that's how I describe myself. If if somebody asks me, how, how are you doing, Kamar? I tend to respond by saying, I'm blessed and highly favored. And it's not just a well-rehearsed chorus for me. It's actually a genuine feeling. And I feel this way because... I grew up in a small, sleepy village in Barbados known as Castle St. Peter. Yes, Castle. It sounds, you know, <laughs> high and mighty. It does. But it really is a, a country village at the northern tip of the island. And as I said, from the name of Lo- alone, you probably think that I was born into riches, you know. And maybe we had, you know, servants and gauntlets and all of that. But definitely, <laughs> no. <laughs> My parents were by no means rich, yet the truth is we never really lacked for anything. And I was the last of nine children. Wow. Hear that again. Nine. Same mother, same father. So, yes, they were busy. (laughs) If if anything, (laughs) this is from where my true blessings flowed. Um, Even though my father was a truck driver and my mother was a career housewife, Um, I always felt like a little princess um, in their hands and surrounded by brothers and sisters who helped to shield me from all the harshness of life. So by the time I came around in terms of my birth, my older brothers and sisters, because some of them are up in age now, they were working. So even when my parents would say to me, Kmar, I can't, we can't afford to send you on this school trip or 
or the next, my brothers and sisters would chip in and, and I would be able to go. So when I talk about blessings, you know, I never really had to want for anything in terms of my upbringing. And to add to that, you know, whether it was primary school or secondary school, I, I wouldn't say I was a teacher's pet, but <laughs> I was always a performer in school and it always endeared me with teachers. Um, and as a result of that too, I always found that that added additional blessings to my pot in terms of what I was able to have as opportunities as well. So even my name, <laughs> um, K-Mar, um, at school, they used to joke and call me K-Mart. And <laughs> with that, with that Freudian slip <laughs> used to come a link to the U.S. retail giant Kmart. So there were actually students who were saying, you know, you, your family has a lot of money. You own Kmart, you know? And I was like, no, we don't. <laughs> and and to make matters worse, Heather, there was this local um, supermarket as well named Jordan's. So it was yes. like your first name <laughs> and your last name. You know, there's a lot of money going around in your family, you know? <laughs> And it didn't it didn't um, help the matters that I got braces when I was at secondary school because um, no, not because of no other reason than my sister was a dental assistant and I had a writer and um, she assisted me in getting on the list. But as I said, there were all of these things that helped to create this aura of me being blessed. And, I, and as I said, it, it truly amounted to blessings at the end of the day in terms of the life that I've been able to lead. So, I mean, that's the sort of backdrop. But the biggest thing too, though, for me, is when I look back at my life and, and my upbringing, it is really a father and a mother who led by example as my father was a true provider. And, you know, he put us all through school and created a, a stable family life and home. And one of the best things, though, is... He put in our minds that you, you came are, and he said the same thing to my siblings. You guys can be anything that you want to be. Yeah. And we didn't have to worry about food or we didn't have to worry about clothing or anything like that. We just had to go to school and learn. And that's all he really expected of us. And, you know, give respect to others where necessary and be self-respecting. But you could, you are as good as, and you could be good as or better. So that was the foundation. And it has basically been at the base of everything. And when I talk about blessings and favor, at 19, I was at Kana working as a young reporter, one of two selected from the mass <laughs> communications program as an experiment. Heather, you remember that? You know? I never thought of you as an experiment. This is yeah, the but first actually, time I'm hearing that it was an experiment. I just thought yeah. that the two of you arrived, you and Pam arrived because you were ready and you but, certainly proved yourself yourselves to be ready. So don't don't talk about it as an experiment. But we did have a staff meeting where it was said at one point, you know, that Pam and Kmar would be, they lost two senior journalists and Pam and Kmar would combine to make one. This was in the early days, you know, when I think people were trying to come to terms with the fact that Kana used to be a place where you had, you know, the very experienced of journalists and people who were full 
um, had, had, had the confidence of broadcasters and we were green. We were coming straight out of BCC. And again, I was at the top of my class. So this is where I earned that place. But there was still a lot to prove. And we, we're all green at some point. So yeah. you know, don't even worry about that. Yeah. What I'd like to, to kind of loop back to is growing up in your in your family, mm-hmm. we were talking about women and how they're you know conditioned to be at home and do certain things and the boys to be out and a little bit more free, a lot more free, not a little bit more free. In your household, how did that play out? Yeah, as I said, my mom was a career housewife. And, you know, I I look back on that now and I said, thank God for it, because I never came home and not had mom to either encourage you to do housework or sorry, to do your homework or to sometimes do chores too. Yes, but always there to offer support and loving care. So that's something that I think we take for granted, but that was such an important role. And my father was the one who was up from the crack of dawn. He, he would go from six in the morning and hang and put out his livestock at the back of the house and then go off to work and then come back in at four, you know? So that was the setup. I have, um, but did my, your brothers my... have more freedom than your sisters? Well, definitely. Boys always in, in in the traditional household in the Caribbean. Um, boys were free to go down the gap and do everything. We could do some of that too. But once we we're accompanied by our brothers, but you know, you felt as a girl that you know there were places that you should be and there are places that you should not be. So there was a lot more protection, yeah. Um, in terms of girls, and even when you know, you grow up and you think you're a woman, you, you find that daddy <laughs> will remind you that you are his little girl, but you, your brothers didn't have that same level of scolding or control, you know, in terms of their own behavior. So definitely there was a clear distinction um, in terms of, of treatment. But I think ultimately, um, even though it seemed stringent at the time, I think it also might have contributed to the blessings because I think one of the things that I have been from very early is focused on what I want, what it is that is important. And, and a lot of that time, a lot of that focus developed when I was also focusing on schoolwork and studies as a priority in the early years, rather than thinking that, you know, oh, let me go down by the shop and hang out or do something else. Yeah. Yeah. You were so, focused. Mm-hmm. What what life experience or experiences moved you to focus on your cultivation of your journey to self? So not to your career, but your journey to self, knowing Kmar. Mm-hmm. Many experiences. So um, I I and I intend to write a book about this one day. But <laughs> I will. I remember. It. I remember when I went to the UK to study. Um, th- there were students all around me smoking from chillum pipes and there were also every every friday night um there was what kind of pipe is that i'm not familiar with it oh that's that's a a pipe that they use to put um drugs in basically and they would puff it out basically i I didn't even get too caught up in knowing the technology (laughs) of it but i remember being at a, a a campus event and this thing is being passed all around, you know, for everybody to try. And I, I, when it got to me, I said, no, thanks. You know, and it confirmed to me that not only that I had no interest in drugs, 
but I am who I am. And I've always been an independent thinker. And it didn't mean that because my parents weren't there, my father, whose the voice in my head wasn't there, and I was going to be doing something that was different. So I was clear from the start, you know, from that period as well, from that experience that, you know, this is who I am. And it's not judging anybody else, but this was just who I am. And when came you came to that realization, yeah. came on. Mm-hmm. what did it make you feel? It made me feel strong. And that's another point that I want to make because, you know, when everybody else is doing something and then when they also turn to you, they're saying, man, you know, why are you being a whip, you know? And it's like, it's all right. I'm fine. I'll be the whip, you know? It takes a lot of courage to basically be that person. You know, it's you're not the most popular in the moment, but, you know, I think over time people come to respect you. And that's what I left. I went into university with and came out even more because when I ended with a distinction, I think people understood, you know, this girl knew what she came here for. And this and this is what she came out with. And there were some people who were doing the fetting, et cetera, that didn't even pass, you know. Wow. So, yeah. And then on the other hand, there are people who did the fetting, but were able to manage it, you know. So but as I said, it confirmed to me who, who it is that I am. Also, when I took my first job as editor um, in Barbados and I was told to do something that I knew, Heather, was against the principles of the profession, I knew as well that I was, and even now, that I still am a principal um, person. It It didn't win me favors around the management room, and ultimately it cost me my job, but it again reaffirmed who I am and that I will stand up for what I believe in. And I had a similar experience um, in another job. So twice I I lost my job because I was being told on the second occasion by a government official what I need to write, um, when I need to write it. And ultimately the official wanted to take control of my newsroom. And I said, no, that can't work. You know, so they went to the chairman and they went above my head and I said, no. <laughs> and ultimately, when when it came down to it, you know, it came down to a question of what I knew to be right and what I knew to be wrong. And it cost me my job, as I said, but I was able to walk away with my head up high and my credibility intact. And those are the things that are critical to me um, and myself and my essence. What I'm hearing from you is that courage and integrity have served you very well in spite of these very brutal setbacks. I think so. And you know, one of my my wonderful feelings that I get, even when the trials are there, I like when I can, like for instance, when I left one of these jobs and I didn't identify the institutions deliberately, but yeah, please don't. when, <laughs> when, right. And when, when I left, I remember seeing the reaction of the public and then many who called me, I mean, they're always going to be naysayers, but most people call and they were saying like, you know, we know you came out, you know, we get to know you, we understand you and you, it has to be. And I didn't talk publicly about <laughs> what took place. And you'll never see me doing that, Heather. If, if if you ever see me doing that, you know that also I have lost focus of self. It's not going to happen. Because that's not me, right? right? So I tend to privately deal with a lot of these matters. And, you know, when people call me and many people trying to hear what was the issue, you know, they say, you know, 
one thing we know, it has to be something that they were asking you to do that went against your principles. Yeah. So those are the type of, that's the type of, um, of, of encouragement that keeps me going as well, because over time in the media profession, I've also developed a reputation for, you know, telling the truth and being credible, which is my biggest selling ticket. And that's what I trade on to this day. What does it look like for you, Kmar, in terms of your journey, in terms of love, joy, forgiveness, compassion, dreams fulfilled? You know, how does all of that contribute to your wholeness? Oh, that is an important part too. And I've also lost in love. I mean, you know, when I was young and dreamy, I used to think, you know, you just will find one guy and settle <laughs> down and have two children and get married. You know, it's are you so in my nice. dream? What's, what's wrong with you? Are you in my dream? It's, you just the same dream? <laughs> it's so simple, you know, but, you know, but you really have to kiss a couple of frogs and, you know, maybe even live with them as well. And it is not something that should make you bitter. And I thank God for that as well. You know, it's re these really are learning experiences. And, you know, they say that the, the metal, the best steel passes through the hottest fire. And part of that is in the personal side as well. We have to love and get a bit of hurt sometimes. Not, I mean, it's not my prescribed uh, method, but that's <laughs> the reality. Prescribed method. <laughs> <laughs> right. And what that does for you is that that helps you to realize that it's not a fairy tale. This is life. You're going to have rough days. And even when you find that ultimate um, relationship that satisfies you, it is not going to be utopia, you know, and it's not going to be every day is going to be honky dory. But, you know, you going through the experiences that you have, um, it also helps you to mellow a bit um, as a woman and as men, too, because sometimes, you know, the things that you start out saying, I will not ever do this, you know, <laughs> last you find, famous last words. Yeah. Exactly. You find yourself saying, OK, let's work through it, you know, and it's not about being coward either or being afraid no, of no. going. It, it really is about growing up and realizing that love is also about, you know, apologizing sometimes and saying sorry and also about forgiving and, and moving on as well. And you might yes. not forget, but you have to determine what is the breaking point. But there are many dimensions in between that you have to work through. Um, in terms of, you know, being able to have stability um, in we, life. And as we mm -hmm. evolve, we're, we're also working from a, a larger vantage point. Yes. And, and that yes. provides us with a lot more information than we may have had as a 20-something-year-old, 30-something-year-old. Yes. You know, I, I think I, I didn't really get sense until I was like 30. Then things started to come together <laughs> a, a, yeah. a little better. But also in terms of relationships, at this time in our lives, which I really see as, as one of the best times because we really know ourselves intimately, mm -hmm. it's our wholeness that really allows us to participate fully in relationships, I believe. Yes, because as I said, the, the whole, you know, it's, it's, it's similar to our professional lives as well, too, you know, and I don't want to cheapen personal relationships in any way or in the same way diminish professional. But 
the two are really love interests as well in different Definitely. ways. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So for instance, I tell people I couldn't do the job I'm doing now at the Gleaner if I didn't do the job that I did at Barbados today and I didn't do the job that I did at The Nation. I didn't do the job that I did at Kana and CBU and CMC because in a sense, they all were preparing me to get to this point. Yes. And even some of the haughty decisions that I would have taken when I was, say, 30 or 20, um, I would now have to analyze those. And not only that, you actually go into the, the current job or the current relationship aware of the past hurts. So what it allows you to do is to have that discussion and have it before. So it's like, you know, this has happened and this is how... I feel about this. Sometimes we go into a job or a relationship. And as I said, because we are so starry eyed or because, um, you know, the person is handsome or they have the right accent or whatever, you know, <laughs> we think that that's all that is worthy. But, you know, as the old people would say, come see, come live are two different things. So Indeed. we really have to adjust um, and grow over time and figure out what is really important. Yeah. I think our experiences, whether they be the love with of work that we're doing or the love of a partner in our in our, our primary relationship or secondary, because our primary relationship is with ourselves, but mm -hmm. our secondary relationship, that we learn to give ourselves grace, not yes. other people, but ourselves first. Yes. And, you know, like me now, um, you, you know, you choose your battles. And this is something that age teaches you because <laughs> sometimes, as I said, we want to win every single discussion or every single thing. But you really have to figure out what is really worthy of all of this energy, not just for you, but also for your partner as well, because they're on the learning curve at the same time as you are, you know? And as I said, in any relationship, you have to set, you know, what are the boundaries in terms of what can't I take? Like, you can, you know, there are some things that we can discuss <laughs> and negotiate. What are the non-negotiables? Yeah. <laughs> and and those those are based on deep-seated things that are in congruence with your very essence. Because if you lose your essence in any relationship. You can't, you're gone. You're gone. So, mm -hmm. so it is important to communicate. And, and this is where they say communicators make for the worst communicators, but in, in the, <laughs> only sometimes, only, only sometimes. sometimes, but yeah, but if, if I'm to be, a you know, a, a kind of a relationship advisor, I'm saying that communication is critical and communication between the two persons that are involved, not, a whole room full, or I like to say a bed full of other people who are interveners. Take them off. Kick them <laughs> off the bed. Kick them off. <laughs> Get them out of the room. Get Not them out, out of the, the room, yeah? Get them out of the room. Mm -hmm. Kimwa, how has aging or evolving made you better? You've touched on it a little bit, but is there mm -hmm. one particular thing that you say, you know what? This is really good and I probably wouldn't do this or know this. I wouldn't do it or I wouldn't have known it before? You know, I think I am a much better, I've been, I've been leading newsrooms now for about 20 years, but I actually am a better manager now than I've ever been because I approach it 
uh, and this might sound simple, but like a television show called New Amsterdam that I really loved. I know and it. You know it, right? Yes. And yes. and and the key, the the chief of staff there would come in and say, "How can I help?" You know, and that term has helped me so much as a manager because oftentimes we come in to treating people like if, you know, you do as I say. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's that's how most of us start out. You know, we are in charge of people and we have to work them to get what we want. But what I've found is that my job becomes easier. And this is the same thing with life too, with, with, with as I said, relationships and relationships, because I find that when I ask, how can I help? What do you need? Yeah. And, and vice versa, when I encourage persons to ask what it is that I need, that this makes it so much simpler. Um, and I find that there's an automatic cooperation and there's an automatic um, moving in the same direction without even the sense that I am towering over you or I am better than, but we are walking a road together towards something. Because you're, you're showing respect. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Tell me, Kamer, tell me, I'm just curious about this one. Tell me what went through your mind and how you felt the first time you met yourself in a newsroom. You met that person that reminded you of Kamer. Well, I was excited because, and there's actually a guy now who's working on the, my on my team and this is why I know that I'm not a too, I'm not too bad a person, you know, I have flaws, <laughs> but I know that, you know, I'm pretty okay, you know, because there's a guy that I see in the newsroom and he is so enthusiastic. And when he comes in, you can send him to the moon. And I say, Hey, that was me. You know, I remember wearing heels and going into agricultural, um, um, plot in St. George and actually winning an FAO award. Yeah. For it, because you know, <laughs> What, what uh, is the FAO they, award? That was the Food and Agriculture Organization Award for Women in Agriculture, actually. It was a series. I actually went there. Um, T.Y., who was my editor, sent me to do one or two stories. But it one came, of the best came, editors, T.Y. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I came back with a series, which actually, as I said, caught the FAO's eye. And I got my first media award from that. You know, and, and when I see that now, I feel not only hopeful for the profession, but... Well, especially for the profession, but, you know, it also is a personal feeling of success, too, because you feel that there are people still searching for the truth and they're passionate, you know, and and there's a level of, of principle attached to it, you know, and we, we still have challenges. You know, we had challenges at Kana. We had, <laughs> you know, we didn't have devices, all of that. But when, when you can still... When you can still hold your spirit together um, in the midst of those challenges and deliver gems, yeah, that's really, that's really what makes it special or make you special. Um, yeah, the, the news was it. so much yeah? bigger. The yes. news was so much bigger than the challenge. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. When you think of yourself five years from now, what would you like future KMR to know? That's... Um, well, what would I like her to know? Hmm. What would I like Future Kmar to know? I would like Future Kmar to know that you you need to become 
even more aware of self and you need to work a little less hard because even though I, and there was a colleague of ours who used to say work smart, not hard. I don't think that I've, I've often repeated that, but I haven't quite achieved it as yet because you're always trying to set a standard and in the Caribbean, often we are often working without all the resources. So we have to find a way to make it easier and that's ultimately what I'm trying to do. You know what I tell people? I I'm I want to retire gracefully. That's ultimately what I want. I want I want somebody in the newsroom to displace me. I want to do that. So my job is to prepare for that process and prepare for me to have more time and to be more strategic and less operational, you know? Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's what and and therefore ultimately as well have more time for the balance yeah um which is you know being able to to do as as the german poet one of my favorites um johan i don't know if i call his his last name correct but johan wolfgang von geff and he says a man should hear a little music read a little poetry and see a fine picture every day of his life in order that worldly cares man in order that worldly cares man not obliterate the sense of beautifulness which God has implanted in the home, in the human soul. So ultimately, this is not just about man, but this is about woman too. Of course. We need to be able to hear a little bit more music, read a little bit more poetry and see the fine pictures of the day. But often in this rat race of life and in terms of running busy newsrooms and corporations and other things, there are meetings and meetings, and oftentimes you don't get to enjoy all of the simple pleasures that there are that we encourage other people so to do. How does adhering to that poem help you to meet your challenges? Because that seems to be a core part of your well-being. Yeah, because I am searching every day for balance, you know? And I work hard and I love that I work hard, but I want to equally relax our play just as hard because that is important to the human soul, you know? So to me, the ultimate is finding that balance. And I'm on my way, as I said, you know, a few years or more ago, I was saying, oh, I just need a shoulder to lie on when I come home at night because, you know, <laughs> after a long, hard day, you know, Lord, help me. I need a shoulder. And he's provided a shoulder. So I'm getting there. Yeah. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> you, know, you know, earlier on, you talked about being, having the attention of your teachers because of your ability to perform. Tell mm -hmm. us about what it is about performance for you and what type of performances you did and if you still perform. Yeah, and I am, and this is not a boast, this is a reality. I have always <laughs> been an A student, you know, and it is something that I am unapologetic about because I work for it. I mean, if if it if it requires reading, studying, and, and even now in journalism, I don't take it for granted. I, I ingest, I consume so much news on a day-to-day -day basis because oftentimes you enter into conversations and you don't know which direction it is going to come. And you never want to be that person who's heading the newsroom and, you know, Ukraine 
is under attack and you are, you know, dreamy um, somewhere about, you know, something romantic and, and not as practical at the moment. So you can't know everything, but it is good to know a bit, especially as a practicing journalist and one who's running a newsroom, a little bit about everything as far as possible. So that takes work and it is not just work as in that it's something that's a chore. It is a responsibility um, and it's a responsibility to yourself and it's a responsibility to your, your, your colleagues and to your own newsroom and those who, you know, who report to you. And because if you're going to give guidance and support, you must be able to do that. Similarly, from being a student from all the way back in the day, I mean, and this one had a, <laughs> um, I, 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 I'm ashamed of this now because I remember I was so good uh, at primary school that every end of term, my class teacher used to give me a gift. He, she used to tell me to wait at the end of, of the class to give me a gift. And I used to be hiding at one point because my friends used to be upset, you know? So I've learned to embrace success as well because some people made it seem like it was something that was not the nicest thing. And I, and I would get a gift and then I didn't have my friends talking to me for the whole summer. So I didn't feel the gift was worth it. And my mom oh actually my sat me down and said, hey girl, hey, listen to me. You know, you are doing well. That's why your teacher and you have good traits. This is why, you know? So all of that, all so of those just, experiences. Just mm -hmm. pause there for a minute and, 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 and just let that sink in that you yeah. were embarrassed by your success yeah. yeah 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 that was a big problem for me and it, it took it took one major conversation but I think some others still because I still I, I still was like waiting when she said wait but I was like oh you know oh. <laughs> you know but I ended up as I said I quickly got over that by the time I got to secondary school though and I remember going back to the school for a price giving. And, you know, I, I, I thanked the teacher and I said to her, you know, I, at the time I didn't even realize how special this was, you know, and, but, you know, all of this is part of growing up and, and, and bringing you to actualization of self. So now my shoulders, Heather, are so broad. You understand me? You think this is a smaller person, yeah? But I have huge shoulders because I am cursed every day as an editor. You know, people, no you know, you can't please everybody. And when the bigger the market, the more it comes at you. And, you know, think of yourself also as some person working in a foreign market. So like now my, my, my Glena readers, when, when they don't like something, they say, oh, it's the Bajan editor, you know? So, <laughs> but you get, and you, it is not to the point where you're arrogant or, <laughs> but it's not to the point where you're arrogant or you don't take seriously the concerns that are raised, but you really have to have broad shoulders because you can't in this business when you want to be a success. And this is why, as I said, we women have to earn our places because not only is it a time-consuming job that takes away sometimes your ambitions for family, children, all of that because of the hours that you put in, but also, too, it is a very difficult job in terms of the type of challenges that come your way on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'm not painting myself as anybody super Oh, no, but it really, not. you know, but it is, it is a lot sometimes. And, and you do have those days when you still say, Hey, 
why am I doing this? You know, but those are fewer and far between um, compared to the days when you said, you know, this is what I was able to do today. Here is this family that needed help and I was able to connect them. You know, here are these people that, you know, here are the students that come out and we play the role in getting them out to Ukraine. You know, all of these things, you know, make it worth it at the end of the day in terms yeah. of what you do. Yeah. I, I can't remember. You are the first female editor at The Gleaner, correct? No, I was the first female editor at The Nation newspaper in Barbados. But I'm the second female editor. There actually is a lady before me who paved the way and wifely engaged at The Gleaner. So The Gleaner has been miles ahead in terms of, you know, thinking about the need for equity and, yes. and giving women giving women who are deserving because if you think i'm strong I, then i talk to miss geisha oh my she, gosh yes, yes she's a powerhouse <laughs> because i was thinking back to when i was reading the stories when you got the job and i said mm -hmm. i'm not sure i don't think so so yes thank you and when you mentioned her name it did ring a bell for me it's impossible for me to have this conversation with you and not get your sense of what it feels like to be in the midst of a Caribbean with uh, Prime Minister Mia Motley. In, um, uh, in the midst of a world with a Prime Minister Mia Motley. Because well, she's really presented herself on the st world stage. Well, uh, Miss Motley would tell you that as a journalist, she and I have locked horns tremendously. But again, I'm in the habit of giving Jack his jacket and Jane her Jew. And uh, I think Ms. Motley, you know, we knew this from a long time, from the time she was education minister, minister of culture, all of that, that she was destined for great things. I, I remember when, as a journalist, I first went to cover her, I was in awe that this woman never had a written speech and just went on and was able to deliver succinctly, you know, um, yes. uh, and very articulate the, you know, um, the points that she wanted to make. So her her ascension and her current performance level really is of no surprise at all, but it is fundamental to the Caribbean and it, it, does, it does present to women everywhere um, an example that, you know, that women can do and will do. And I think she's standing out. She's standing out tremendously at this point in time. I don't agree with everything that she's doing or how she does it. But as I said, certainly I couldn't take away from her in terms of, you know, what she's accomplished. All right, let's get back to you. What have been some of your major insights on your journey to self? Well, stay humble. Um, my my dad used to remind me, you know, you might be out there doing this and going to Rome and doing that, but you're still my child, you know. <laughs> God rest his soul. And, you know, I think you you have to stay humble in the process and you have to remember, never forget from whence you came. So I still enjoy walking through Castle when I get mm -hmm. the time, when I'm in Barbados now or when I was at home. Because that's that's my people. That's where I'm from, you know. And, you know, so I stay grounded that way. And the same thing with media colleagues, wherever they were. Like Harriet will always be my girl from oh, Cannes yes, Days, you know. Yes, yes, yes. You of know? course. So, <laughs> Got to shout yeah. out Harriet, boy. <laughs> exactly. But you also learn, too. I've learned that not everybody who starts the journey with you will end it with you. 
but true friends are more valuable than diamonds. So there's always this circle of people and friends that you can depend on no matter where you are, you know, those, those people that you, you know, really attach to self and understand what you're about, you know, they defend you without you asking. And they also inspire you or, or, or support you without you even calling upon them. So that's kind of like the army that I travel with and it's both friends and family and not everyone wants to see you succeed. That's another major insight, Mm. but don't let them break your spirit um, because you know, you have to stay focused and focus has been an important thing for me throughout. And the other thing, it sounds simple, but for me, Heather, in everything, everything, Give thanks, yeah, because oh my gosh, yes, you you might think that this is the worst thing that is happening to me, but there's always somebody worse off, and you know, um, sometimes too, there's even a a, for a hand of protection that you haven't seen. I was just going to get to that. Of, that's, yeah. that's one of the big lessons I've learned, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't you don't get something that you've really wanted, and you realize you might not ever understand why you didn't get it but Mm -hmm. you recognize not having it was in your best interest yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and added to that nothing before it's time because you know you 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 want now you want 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 but I really believe as the bible says be anxious about nothing and it doesn't mean that you're going to sit down there and say oh well you know it's going to come to me so my faith but you have to you have to put in the work but Try not to be anxious because that has a way of corrupting your success. Yeah. You got to say that twice, man. Say it again. <laughs> yeah. I said be anxious about nothing, you know, and because that has a way of corrupting your success. And what does that corruption look like? It, it is that you might still achieve it, but it is not going to be it is not going to be as is like that diamond that hasn't quite matured as yet. It hasn't, you know, it, it, it is, it is not, I don't know. It is not, it is not shaped fully. Um, so therefore there are going to be, there are going to be some unnecessary strains and stresses um, because you didn't quite allow it to um, maturate to the point that it needed to get to. Yeah. Well said, well said. What else would you like to share with our listeners about your journey that we may not have covered? Well, I guess I could leave you with, from from a journalism standpoint, um, I have been in this search for the truth. But one of the things life has taught me and this career has taught me is not everyone can handle the truth. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, Tom Cruise? <laughs> no, it's true. It was like, and, and, uh, Jack, um, the, the other character that said you can't handle the truth. <laughs> no, and, and and it sounds it sounds like that. It sounds a little funny, but it is true, Heather. I mean, and and especially and think about it for yourself. Um, and, and I'm telling you, not just this, but your listeners, because when it hits home. Heather, no matter how we want the truth, we, we want the newspapers and the media to go after the truth. When it hit home and it is hits home and it's somebody related to or connected to, all of a sudden this quest for truth and this support for truth takes a different complexion. 
So this is one of the issues that the media faces. Uh, and, and what I want to leave you with and, and your listeners with is, but don't shoot the messenger. Deal mm. with the message. Yeah, deal with the truth. <laughs> yeah, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> That's a mic drop right there. <laughs> don't shoot the messenger. Deal with the message. <laughs> yes, yes. There is nothing more to say, Kayla. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Kmar, thank you for sharing your wonderland. Thank you for having me, Heather. It's been a pleasure. As I said, at the start of this, um, I don't like to talk like this about me, but you've made it so easy. And as you said, you know, I, I didn't feel like a microphone was to my face, but more sharing with a colleague and 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 imparting and 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 inspiring, which is what we need to do for each other at this point. Yes, we do. Thank you so much, darling. Blessings. Blessings to you too. All righty. Thank you for listening. Until next time, love yourself more in the midst of your wonderland. Peace.